It's Wednesday, November 20th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union walked into the impeachment hearing on Capitol Hill and threw just about everybody under the bus. Everyone was in the loop. We'll dive into the potential fallout from Ambassador Gordon Sondland's testimony. Then, Iranian protests are getting more deadly. But how did these get started in the first place? And finally, Grammy noms are out. We'll tell you who's in the running for best everything. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about the latest public impeachment hearing. Today, the main event starred a guy named Gordon Sondland. He's the ambassador to the European Union. He and Trump go way back. He even donated a million dollars to his inauguration fund. But today, he pointed fingers at just about everyone he could, including President Trump. So we're going to get into who this guy is, what he said during the hearing, and why his testimony matters in the impeachment inquiry. Let's start with an introduction. Who is Gordon Sondland? Like the president, Sondland is a wealthy hotelier. It means you run hotels. The H is silent. Anyway, back in 1985, he founded a small hotel chain based in Portland, Oregon, called Providence Hotels. But Sondland's dream was to become an ambassador. So for years, he donated to a bunch of Republicans, hoping one candidate would one day reward him. And finally, one did, President Trump. Sondland donated a million dollars to Trump's inaugural committee, and Trump gave him a cushy appointment as the ambassador to the EU where, for some reason, he became focused on U.S. policy with Ukraine, a country that isn't actually a part of the EU. One more thing to know off the bat is that Sondland says he had a good relationship with Trump. During today's hearing, the Democrats' lawyer talked about a time Sondland told Trump that Ukraine's president, quote, loves your ass, unquote. Do you recall saying that? Yeah, it sounds like something I would say. That's how President Trump and I communicate, a lot of four-letter words. In this case, (laughs) three-letter. So yeah, BFFs who communicated in three-letter words. But Sondland also made some actual news today, in two different ways. The first had to do with the infamous alleged quid pro quo, that Trump may have held up military aid to Ukraine or refused to meet with Ukraine's president until the country launched investigations into a company that Joe Biden's son worked for. Some Republicans have argued there was no quid pro quo, and that any official who says so now either doesn't know what they're talking about or has an agenda. But in his prepared remarks today, Sondland said there was definitely a quid pro quo that was being pushed by Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Sondland says as far as he understood, Trump considered Ukraine announcing new investigations to be a, quote, prerequisite for Ukraine's new president scoring an invite to the White House. I know that members of this committee frequently frame these complicated issues in the form of a simple question. Was there a quid pro quo? As I testified previously, with regard to the requested White House call and the White House meeting, the answer is yes. When it comes to the part about withholding military aid, though, Sondland had a slightly different answer. He said he was aware that the military aid was on hold and that Giuliani was pushing Ukraine for these investigations, but that it took him a while to realize that those two things were actually connected. He said nobody ever told him explicitly about this quid pro quo, but that he later realized, yeah, two plus two does equal four. 
Here was Sondland today taking questions from Democrat Adam Schiff, who's running the impeachment hearings. This is $400 million of U.S. taxpayer money, is it not? Absolutely. And there was a logjam in which the president would not write that U.S. check, you believed, until Ukraine announced these two investigations the president wanted, correct? That was my belief. So that's the first thing Sondland made headlines for today, that the U.S. ambassador to the EU believed there was a quid pro quo. But he also made news by saying, I am definitely not the only person who knew this. Sondland said that as he learned about the alleged conditions being put on U.S. support to Ukraine, that he kept lots of high-level officials in the loop, like Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Energy Secretary Rick Perry, and Acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. And Sondland brought the texts and emails he sent to them to today's hearing. Basically, here are all the receipts. Everyone was in the loop. Sondland also said he'd mentioned the military aid being tied up with investigations to the vice president, Mike Pence. And that Pence nodded like he knew what Sondland was talking about. And Sondland appeared to bring the president further into this too, saying that he, along with others, were basically only pressuring Ukraine because the president told them to take orders from Rudy Giuliani. As a presidential appointee, I followed the directions of the president. We worked with Mr. Giuliani because the president directed us to do so. So is any of what Sondland revealed today actually impeachable? Again, still TBD. Though it looks like Democrats are leaning towards saying yes, while Republicans seem to be saying no. At today's hearing, Republican lawmakers poked holes in Sondland's testimony in a couple of ways. First, they told Sondland, you never heard Trump say, go do a quid pro quo, and that Trump saying, talk to Rudy, isn't the same thing. And when Sondland did finally talk to Trump on the phone, the president said he didn't want anything from Ukraine, and especially no quid pro quo. Though Sondland says Trump did say he expected Ukraine's president to, quote, do the right thing, whatever that means. And second, there may be some trust issues here. See, when he first sat down for a closed-door deposition a few weeks ago, Sondland never mentioned his phone call with Trump. Republicans today also highlighted that Sondland's testimony didn't exactly match up with testimony we heard yesterday from Kurt Volker, the U.S. Special Envoy for Ukraine. And Volker was really supposed to be more of the point person on Ukraine than EU Ambassador Sondland. So by bringing this up, Republicans could be trying to say, maybe you got a little carried away here, Gordon. So what's the skim? Ambassador Gordon Sondland's testimony today was probably the newsiest we've heard in the impeachment inquiry so far. This is a high-level government official who says he and Trump got along. At the same time, Sondland's testimony wasn't exactly great news for the White House, and he name-dropped a bunch of officials, who he says were aware of possible quid pro quo when it comes to Ukraine, including the Secretary of State and the Vice President. Sondland also says it was the President who personally directed him to work with Giuliani on Ukraine to get the ball rolling on the Ukraine pressure campaign. So, big news today, but it's not like lawmakers are throwing their hands in the air and saying, it's over! As we're recording this, they're hearing from Pentagon official Laura Cooper and State Department official David Hale. And tomorrow they'll hear from the White House's former top Russia advisor, Fiona Hill, and another State Department official, David Holmes, who says he overheard a key phone call between President Trump and Gordon Sondland. So stay tuned. Enjoy your brief intermission until tomorrow.
It's only Wednesday, but hump day is feeling a little bit different this week over in Iran. Today was the sixth day of massive protests throughout the country. And yesterday, Amnesty International estimated that at least 106 people had been killed, though the real death toll could be much higher. So what's going on in Iran? You might remember that Iran's economy is struggling right now. That's thanks in part to U.S. sanctions that were put in place ever since the U.S. pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal last year. But these protests started last Friday, when the Iranian government announced a fuel subsidy cut. See, Iran has so much oil that they usually subsidize gas prices. But now that's changing in an effort to fill a budget deficit. That fuel subsidy cut didn't cause just a little price hike. According to the Brookings Institution, it tripled how much gas costs. And surprise, surprise, Iranians weren't thrilled about the new policy. Protesters have taken to the streets, blocking traffic on major highways, suspending schools, and even setting banks, shops, and police stations on fire. Earlier this week, Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, called the protesters thugs. Khamenei's the head of state, not the head of government. Kind of like Queen Elizabeth. So he's not the one who actually enacted this hike, but he does have a lot of sway and backed the government's decision to cut the subsidy. Iranian security forces have arrested more than a thousand people and have tried to end the protests by fighting back with water cannons, tear gas, and batons. Footage that reportedly shows ammunition suggests guns are also being used. Iranian state media have only reported a handful of deaths, but like we said, Amnesty International says that over 100 people have been killed during these protests. For what it's worth, Iran's mission to the United Nations says that number is baseless. Numbers like this are hard to independently verify because the insular Iranian government shut down the internet. The idea is that without the internet, protesters can't communicate and coordinate their demonstrations. And they can't share info about what's going on in the protests with the outside world. But if the reports are accurate, then this protest could be the largest and most deadly since the Iranian Revolution in 1979. That happened 40 years ago and featured a series of political protests that ended with Iran's monarch being overthrown. Earlier today, Iran's president, Hassan Rouhani, declared victory over the protesters. But the internet is still mostly shut down. So what that victory actually entails is unclear. With all the news coming out of D.C. this week about the impeachment hearings, it's kind of hard to imagine how other political news can break through. Well, the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates are going to try. Tonight is the fifth Democratic primary debate, starring the 10 Dems who A, have high enough support in qualifying polls, and B, have met the threshold for individual donor contributions. So who's going to be on the stage? Former VP Joe Biden, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, and Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren are still leading national polls. They'll be joined by South Bend, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, who recently rose to the top of some of the big polls in Iowa. That's where the first contest in the primary will be held. Then there are Senators Kamala Harris of California, Amy Klobuchar of Minnesota, and Cory Booker of New Jersey. Rounding out the stage are entrepreneur Andrew Yang, billionaire Tom Steyer, and Hawaii Representative Tulsi Gabbard. For the first time this election cycle, the candidates will be grilled by a panel of only women, 
featuring two MSNBC anchors and two reporters from NBC and The Washington Post. For more on tonight's debate, head on over to theskim.com slash 2020. The show starts tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can stream it live at msnbc.com or at washingtonpost.com. The 2020 Democratic candidates aren't the only candidates making news today. This morning, nominations for the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards were announced. Leading the pack, first-time nominees, Lizzo, Billie Eilish, and Lil Nas X. Lizzo scored the most nominations, with a total of eight, including all of the big four categories, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best New Artist. Billie Eilish, at 17 years old, is also nominated in the big four, and is the youngest artist ever to do so. So accomplished. And of course, you can't have nominations without some snubs. Both Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga were left out of the Album and Record of the Year categories. But we'll never forget that they existed. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, we want to let you know about a new episode from our other podcast, Skimmed from the Couch. In this week's show, our co-founders and co-CEOs, Carly and Danielle, sat down with Misha Nunu, whose namesake clothing brand is upending the way the fashion industry functions. They talk about being fearless when it comes to making bold changes both in your career and in your personal life. And Nunu gives her advice on how to dress for success. Listen to this new episode on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.